Hey friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans and today is Mule Tip Tuesday. I'm uh, recording from the Freightliner studio. That's uh, my truck. <laughs> I'm sitting in the parking lot here at the the uh, Gunnison, Colorado fairgrounds here and um, getting ready to do a clinic this week here. This is one of our one of our best clinics of the year. Megan Mensing hosts this clinic and she fills it up every year and makes it a, a heck of a lot of fun for us. So um, anyways, if you hear some background noise, the kids are playing outside, playing fetch with the dogs, meals are outside brand. Um, yeah, this is real life. So, but I got a whole bunch of great questions today from Mule Tip Tuesday, and I'm just going to jump right in with these. Okay. So uh, first question is from Stasha uh, Baldwin. And uh, her question is, could you share some info about how to prepare my mule for her vet exam and dental work at the end of the month? My mule is in the top 10 worst patients for my vet, and they usually have to snub her. Uh, we have been working a lot to calm down from stressful situations and not being so guarded. But what can I do to make her more comfortable around the vet without the vet being present? Okay, Stasha. Uh, this is, this is definitely challenging because, you know, when you go to the vet, there's definitely going to be a different feel about the air than when you're just at home. You know, um, I would encourage you to do as much vet work, uh, that you can on your own. You know, you can vaccinate your own, you can deworm your own. There's a lot of basic things you can do. Of course, for the bigger stuff, your vet has to do it, obviously. Uh, but as much as you can do on your own, uh, go for it. And get those things comfortable and how, you know, how you get those things comfortable. For example, uh, giving the mule uh, vaccinations and shots, for example. You know, one thing I like to do is, is I'll ask them to do a little lateral flexion. And I, and I actually have them kind of bend back into the, to the needle, you know. And, and for some reason, it doesn't pinch them that way. Then when their head is straight, um, you know, that's, that's one little just one little thing. I actually do the same thing with dewormer. I'll ask them to bend around laterally. I'll deworm them that way. Um, you know, and, and in the meantime, the prep work for all these things like, you know, uh, deworming and shots, it doesn't always have to be the real thing. You know, you can, you know, like deworming, for example, a lot of times you can, you can get to where you, you know, one of the classic, uh, tips that have been around a long time is to fill, these, uh, you know, dewormer tubes with applesauce and you can do things like that. You know, I practice, uh, getting them comfortable that way too at times, but really not that often. The main thing I work on Stasha is getting that mule to where I, I can keep him centered and I can keep him controlled, you know, and, um, you know, the, the three prerequisites for, for, uh, bridling actually do a lot of prep work for that vet to be able to handle the the mule's head right um the three three prerequisites for bridling would be lateral flexion dropping the head and then handling the mouth the nose the muzzle the ears the eyes things like that um so if you can get to where you can open that mouth and you can um you know like <clears throat> hand, handle that mouth handle you know uh those lips and, and have your hand around the muzzle, things like that. That'll make life a lot easier, um, for your vet to do it too. And then, you know, something else you can do if you have family or friends that are, that are close to you, 
that would be willing to come out and uh, basically mirror what you're doing with your animal. Because some animals do get familiar with you, and that's why you can do stuff, but they're really not broke. They're really not that handy. So just because you can do it doesn't mean the vet can do it. And they, they get very familiar in their surroundings. They get used to you, and, and that's why they'll let you do some of these things and where a stranger comes and, and they won't. So, you know, before you get to the vet, you could have somebody else come out and do those things and handle that animal. Um, you know, and there, there's lots of things that are, are really odd for that animal, you know. Uh, a lot, of, you know, we get a new, we have to go to the vet every month to get these health certificates. And so my meal see my vet monthly. And, you know, he's a lot of these health certificates, these different states, they require temperature. So, you know, they're, you know, my vet's always lifting their tail and take their temperatures. And then, and that's something that a lot of people don't do at home. They never do is take their animal's temperature. You know, you can practice taking your animal's temperature, lift that tail up, kind of bend it to the side, insert their thermometer there and, you know, um, practice doing things like that. Um, you know, the, the vet the vet work could encompass a number of things right you might go in there anywhere from to, just to do basic vaccinations to picking up you know uh, checking the the hoofs for for lameness checking their legs so get to where you can handle those legs pretty much all the handling that you can do and then have a stranger come over and do it as well because uh and i wouldn't really give them a whole lot of instructions exactly how to do it i'd let them I just kind of tell them what you'd like them to do and, and then have them do it because that vet is going to be different. Also, Stasha, I would ask your vet, um, you know, what, what would your vet like you to do to prepare that mule to, to be better, you know, and remember it is not the vet's job to train your mule. Um, you know, and if you do have, if this mule is a handful, then when you get there, ask the vet to put it into their vet chute. Just put them in the vet chute and do your work there. That way you're not fighting it out in the on the trailer or, or fighting it in the parking lot or whatever. Just put in the chute and, and work there. You know, if I know my mule is going to be a handful, if I got some, you know, I, we have a lot of colts, right? So if I know that these colts are going to be a handful for the vet, I'll, I'll get there. And I have a great relationship with my vet. In fact, I'm going to try to get him on the podcast. And, and uh, this would actually be a great question for him as well. Um, but, I'm, you know... I tell, I say, Hey Paul, let's, uh, this one needs to go in the shoot. Let's put him in the shoot that we don't need to worry about. And he's like, Oh yeah. And he knows me obviously. And, and knows what I know. And, and if I say, Hey, I want to put this mule in the shoot, then he totally respects that too. So, you know, it, but the problem is, 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 you know, when you get there to the vet, it's none of it's a great experience for the mule, no matter how good the vet is. And so one thing that I like to do a little bit of is, is we'll do the vet work and then I just leave my meals tied there at the trailer in the parking lot for a little while while I go in and pay my bill and I usually visit with my vet for a while because he's a meal man and and a good friend and and I just let him kind of hang out there so it's not just unload get poked and prodded and touched all these places you don't want to be poked prodded and touched and then load up and leave you know I'll, I'll let him kind of sit a little bit too um but Above all, though, Stasha, I think get that mule in a good frame of mind all the time away from from everything. You know, it doesn't matter if it's, it's the vet or or the trailhead or, or whatever. Just get that mule in a good frame of mind all the time. That way, when you get to some of these places that 
you know, or, or that you got to do this vet work. It's a little bit more challenging. Um, that meal will, will hold that good frame of mind. You know, that's, I think that's the most critical piece right there. It's not so much about the vet or the vet work. It's just about getting this meal in a good frame of mind. And well, how do you do that? Well, we've taught it in the clinics, right? Going through this process, getting the mule to where they can self-regulate and relax on their own. And, and you do that by asking them questions, letting them search and find the answer and come down from that. That's how you get that good frame of mind uh, built in there. So, um, so Stasha, just do your best there. Um, you know, and I don't really want them to have to snub a, the mule down. I'd, I'd just put it in a chute and, and let her work in there. So you might request that if he doesn't have a chute, if the vet doesn't have a chute, then I don't really know what they're thinking. Uh, they must not do a lot of work with equine if they don't have a, a vet chute available there. So, you know, that's one thing you can do. Okay. Good question, Stasha. Let me know what you think. I hope you, I hope you just keep working and get that meal in a good frame of mind. You know, a lot of good writing, a lot of good work. You'll, you'll make some progress right there for sure. Okay. Next question is from Jason Cordell. Hey Ty, I recently purchased a, purchased a nine-year-old broke or a nine-year-old green broke Molly at a select mule cell. When we purchased her, we knew she was green, but now I would say that is a little bit of an understatement. She is now very herd bound with our other mule and panics when she is more than 30 to 40 foot away. She is bucky in the round pen, runs away with me, and appears to be all around uncomfortable. I know you always talk about solid groundwork to eliminate these issues, and I completely agree with that. However, with this molly, her groundwork is spot on. Center circles, clear the fronts, rolled hinds, all on loose rein, and stops as soon as I quit. All this she is great at. She will stand to be brushed, feet clean, saddled, bridled without a halter, loads like a dream, etc., but once on, on her... She is a train wreck. What am I doing wrong and what can I do to help her feel comfortable so I can at least get her out of the round pen without feeling like she's going to wreck her and me? Thanks. Okay, Jason. Well, first thing I would say is is you, you probably should turn up your standards a little bit more on the groundwork. And, and one thing, if they're prone to buck and prone to run off with you, I would really turn up uh, your moving half circles if in... If you're not familiar with that, you can check that out on our video library. But the moving half circles is a fantastic move to kind of check out this stress, check out the stress levels and see where they're at, see what's going to go on. Um, and, you know, you want to be doing all this on a loose rein. That's one move you can check out. And, you know, it's and also remember the groundwork isn't just about checking off the maneuvers. It's how they feel during the maneuver. So you need to be checking on, you know, those expressions. How are they looking? How are they feeling? Um, what's going on? You know, uh, check out the breathing, check out the the eyes, check out the ears, the, the muscle tone. I mean, all these things, check that out while they're doing it. For me, it's not good enough to just do the maneuver. It's how they feel during the maneuver that makes all the difference. So I'd be checking that out quite a bit, Jason. Then when it comes to the writing, just start completely over with this mule. Um, the way things sound doesn't sound like the mule had a great foundation, or if she did, it didn't stick. So I'm going to start completely over. So when I get on a colt for the first ride, I get on, I need to stand still to mount, I check out my lateral flexion, and then I get working on forward motion. You know, most of these animals that run off you guys, or have issues bucking, have forward motion issues. They need to be freed up. 
And I, I've been there on a, on on a thousand of them. It seems like that have these forward motion issues. I've I've made a lot that had forward motion issues. So I'm here to help you, so you don't do it. Um, but I get on that mule, and I would go through walk, trot, lope in your round pen on a loose rein, just just forward motion, no direction. I don't care where they go. I just want to walk. I want to trot, lope, walk, trot, lope, up and down, up and down. And I'll get that going out. Then I will start directing the mule and I'll just build one piece at a time. So the same thing as the groundwork, Jason, I just do one piece at a time. Then I move into making some circles, make a few circles here, right across the round pen, make a few circles there, ride the other side of the round pen, make a few circles there, ride the other side. And then I build in rolling the hind quarters. And little by little, I add on one piece of the checklist after another. And, you know, um, we just got done with a cult starting clinic and I'll be doing a debrief on that soon. But, you know, it's just like that. The first day, basically they got lateral flexion and forward motion going on and rolling the hinds. The next day they added in some lateral stops. Then they got working on the front end and you just keep on building little by little. And that's kind of what is missing. A lot of people just finally get on the mule and then they just head out and they just want to go ride and they just go hit the trail. They don't really work on getting some quality moves going. So, you know, I'd, I'd start there. I, I'd just start right over, Jason. If this was my mule, I would start right over and go through each piece of the riding until things are looking good. You know, and if your groundwork is checking off pretty good, then yeah, it looks like you need to start in the saddle. But don't expect anything in the saddle. You just work one piece at a time. Get it right. Um, you know, that's kind of what I do, Jason. So hope that makes some sense to you. Let me know what you think of that. Um, all you folks that I'm answering your questions, if you would write in and let me know what you think of the answers, I would be grateful for that. Alyssa Alvarez. Hey, Ty and Sky. Boone hasn't reared since we got back from Dunnigan. Yeah, so Alyssa came to our clinic in Dunnigan, California. And has been such a doll with his groundwork. I even ponied him from my horse for the first time in the arena, and he was great. His only vice at this time... Uh, sorry, I lost my spot here. His only advice at this time seems to be water. Uh, either walking over puddles or or the hose near around him. I tied him up uh, next to my horse while I gave my horse a bath, and he about pulled a cemented post out of the ground, thinking the hose was coming for him. He didn't eventually he did eventually calm down while I was bathing my horse and watched calmly, but would not even let the hose near his leg legs. I opted for a bucket of warm suds and a washcloth, of which he also hated and tried to run me over a few times, despite flag in hand. I didn't tell you this, but Friday night at the Dunnigan Clinic he jumped five foot high across a trickle of water, pulled me to the ground and dragged me across the dirt road when I tried to get him to cross it walking calmly. Question. What is the best way to introduce a frightened yearling to water? Thank you. Okay, listen. Um, I'm not too worried about the water stuff. Um, you know, that's just another exposure thing. And and you kind of answered your own question right there when you said Friday night at the, at the clinic, he jumped five foot across a trickle of water and pulled you and dragged you across the dirt road. Okay, so that tells you right there what you need to work on. Need to get this meal broke to lead. And he's just a he's just a yearling. This you guys listening, this meal is just a yearling, just a baby. So you know, it's not really not really broke to lead, doesn't know a whole lot. Um so uh 
Alyssa, that's what I'm I'm working on is is getting that mule broke to lead first. I'm going to focus all my efforts on getting that mule handy to where um, you know I can I can direct those feet and that mule is on a loose rein and that mule understands what that slack in that rein means and is willing to keep the slack in that rein. That way I'm not getting pulled around so much, okay? Because if they're scared, they still might pull you around a little bit, but the better handle you have on that mule, the less you're going to be pulled around, okay? So that's my main focus. That is my number one focus is getting that mule broke to lead. Not broke to drag and not broke to follow, broke to lead, okay? Then when it comes to the water, one thing I do is I'll, I'll go in a round pen if I really need to get them used to water, which a lot of mine, I, it just seems to come with time. But if I, if I want to give them a bath or something right now, then I'm going to go in the round pen. And I'll bring that hose in the round pen. I got the mule on the end of the lead rope, and I have that water on real, real quiet, like real, real slow little trickle. And I just start from their back and I go down. And, and maybe they may be just scared of the darn hose without even water running through it. So you might get to where you could just touch that mule all over with a hose. You might start there start from their back and you go down the legs and then maybe you turn a little water on um you know you might need to start there sometimes um you know if the water's on real low it doesn't, doesn't take them long to to kind of get used to that but it, but maybe it does maybe it does maybe they're real scared of it and um so sometimes if i if i really want to get them used to some things i mean most of these mules have, have felt rain on their backs unless they're like cooped up in a stall every time it rains, which some people do gather them up and stick them in a stall every time it rains or something. Then of course your mule's a yearling in, in, in California. It hasn't rained much <laughs> the past year. We've been pretty, you know, the whole West has been pretty dry. So maybe the mule hasn't been rained on. I don't know, but nonetheless, um, it really doesn't take that long to get them used to that water running down from, from their back down. And, and, uh, you know, there's also been some times where I'll just have them the round pin free, you know, without the halter on, without a lead rope on, and I'll just have that water on and I'll just have this little trickle and I'll just kind of spray a little mist and, and they'll be going around the outside and, and just, just, just kind of get ahead of them. And maybe it scares them. Maybe they're running around. I'll just take that mist and put them, put it way up ahead of them. So they're going to kind of run through it and, uh, don't like, don't be intimidating to the animal. Don't like chase them around. Don't try to like catch up and spray them from behind use your angles and let them walk into the water you could do that too and and that has helped at some some point um with some of these critters but i would just start there you know there really hasn't been anything i haven't been able to get used to water running down their backs if they're broke to lead good and here's the deal if they're if they're not broke to lead good i don't really care about giving them baths like that's the last thing on my list is to spray the mule down if, uh, you know, if they're not broke to lead, I really don't care about that. So that'll come after they're, they're broke to lead pretty nice. So that's kind of the main thing that I'd be working on. Okay. This is uh okay. Sky wrote this down for me and it says not a question, but this is from Marcia Hagler. Hello, Ty and Sky. I attended your Dunnigan, California clinic last year and participated in mulemanship one with my mule dolly. I've been having trouble getting out on the trails riding in a small corral, just a bit larger than a typical round pen. Dolly and I seemed to work well together. Yesterday, after a few minutes in the corral, I thought we'll go down to the driveway across the road and just have a nice easy walk around the open meadow. 
then call it a day. We spent about 45 minutes trotting back and forth because she didn't want to walk. And when she decided to walk, I had her keep trotting back and forth in front of my property around in circles, serpentining, moving her hinds. And every time we headed for the driveway, I would ask her to walk, which she would do until she saw my intent was to go down the driveway toward the meadow instead of up the driveway toward home. Evasive maneuvers and trotting on her part, followed by me having her trot back and forth, circling around trees, doing figure eights, etc. Finally, at a walk, we approached the end of the driveway and she stopped, was relaxed, and calmly stood there for two to three minutes. I decided we should stop on a good note, so I got off and led her back up the driveway, cleaned her up, and put her back in the paddock with her chums. I am completely, totally disheartened by this. I thought... This should be so far behind us that uh, we should be so much further along by now. I wondered what you would suggest, so I opened up your video library and picked out a few videos to watch. Problem solving, fixing herdbound buddy sour, don't fixate on the spook, wisdom talks, confidence talk, quantity doesn't make up for lack of quality, should I keep this mule, mule tip Tuesday, take a fresh start. Today, Dolly and I are back at square one, taking a fresh start. We are taking a refresher course by starting again at week one of last year's Everyday Mulemanship Challenge. I'm sorry this turned out to be so long, involved letter. I really just wanted to thank you for putting videos on the video library. The videos are very helpful. Respectfully, Marsha Hagler. Hey, Marsha, thank you for writing this in. Um, you know, that's a great idea. Take a fresh start. You know, whenever you guys get into little binds like this and, and it, you might feel disheartened, you might feel like, oh my gosh, we're stepping back, we're starting over. You know, understand that your mules don't care about progress the same way you do. They really don't care how far you get or how broke they get or how much education they get. That's, it's a different it's a different mindset. They just want to be comfortable. So, you know, focus on doing doing what you can to make things more comfortable for that for that animal. That should be our, our number one goal is to make things more comfortable, you know. And it, it's all about how we sell it to the mule, how we present those things that we want to do. How do you present your objective to your mule? You know, how, how well can you be a salesman to this mule? You know, it was kind of like last night, I went fishing here with my buddy Seth Mensing, fly fishing here in Gunnison, Colorado, and... <laughs> And I'm not very good at casting. He's been trying to teach me this the last three or four years. Every year I come, he gives me a good lesson on fly fishing. He's a professional guide here and, and a great fisherman. And, you know, um, and there's a big difference. There's a big difference in going fishing or being a fisherman. Just like there's a big difference in riding mules or being a mule man or, or woman. And, you know, he was talking to me, it's all about the presentation of that fly on that water, you know, how you cast and how you let that fly sit down on the water, come down on the water like it's a natural insect. That It's all about the presentation, whether you're going to catch a fish or not. There might be a fish there, but if it doesn't look good, they ain't going to take a bite. And, you know, I got to thinking, it's the same thing with the mules. You might, you, you might, you know, there might be a, a time where, where you can ask the mule to do something and and it might be a good time to do it, but the way you present it to him, the way you ask the mule, it might not be a good presentation. It might not be a good sales pitch. So make sure whatever it is that you're wanting to do, make sure you're thinking about what is the mule going to get out of this? 
you know, as I'm working on my casting and fly fishing, right, and I'm working on trying to get this fly laid down, I need this fly to look good to the fish. So the fish thinks that it's going to get a meal out of it, right? There needs to be something in there for the fish. The fish thinks, all right, this is going to be a meal for me. You know, as you're working with the mule, it needs to be the same thing. What is your mule going to get out of this? And, you know, the cool thing about the mule is all they ask from you is for comfort. They just want to feel good. They just want to feel comfortable by, in their in their lives and not in danger. They'll do anything when they feel comfortable for you, around you, rather. So thank you, Marsha, for writing that in. That's a nice a nice note. And, and I wish you the best of luck with your mule. Keep up the good work, and I'm glad you're utilizing that video library. And if you guys don't know, we have now we have over 240 videos on there, and I have I have now another 30 hours, I believe, of video to upload. We have clips from our clinic in Creston, Washington, Whitehall, Montana, and then clips from our cult starting clinic, which was five days. So. I think there's 15 or 20 hours just in cult starting I got to put on there. So anyways, thanks for utilizing that, Marsha. All right. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I have some more great questions. So hang tight. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine, and uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little, and I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years, and she has done an amazing job. Um, also, did you know that Mealsmore comes in a digital format? You can download it on your phone, read it wherever you're at. So... Hey, be sure to check them out, mealsmore.com. And, uh, you know, hey, tell them Ty sent you. I'd be very grateful. Mealsmore.com. Okay, we are back with our Mule Tip Tuesday. And I got another question here. This one is from Ted Johnson. And Ted wrote in, he said, hey, I listened to the Whitehall Clinic Debrief. And he said, uh, kudos to... Iron Man Frank, and if you guys listen to the Whitehall debrief, then you you heard me talk all about Mr. Frank there and his mule percolator, percolating all over that arena, <laughs> and just uh, a handful of a mule, and and you know Frank did an excellent job. But Ted has a question about this scenario, and I and I talked about in that clinic debrief about Frank literally doing about an hour and a half of serpentines to get this mule to chill, and and Ted asks. During that hour and a half of serpentines, do you give that mule a break? And if so, how often? And after you give him a break, do you do you move on to other things or 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 you're just done for the day or, or what? So he wants a little more detail on this scenario. So first of all, Ted, we're having Frank do these serpentines because that mule is about to, to blow a top. Okay. And and Frank has signed up. He's in the show. Um, he got on that mule. And the mule is taking off with him. So it's not like he can just easily get off that mule without there being a wreck. And remember, you guys, I don't care how fast they're running or what they're what they're doing there. You know, it's it's usually safer right there in the saddle. Very rarely is it safer to dismount and get out of that situation. I mean, there are exceptions, obviously. Um, but, you know, most of the time you are safer right in the middle. And uh, 
Because a lot of times when they're running off or something stupid, um, you go to jump off and you trip that, you know, your weight distribution changes and that mule trips and you guys have a big old wreck. I've seen so many, so many wrecks. And, and also too, when you're jumping off an animal, you just can't get the distance away from the animal. Most people get run over, stepped on. I've seen it a lot of times, a lot of times. So, so Ted, he's, Frank has signed up, man. He's in the show. He he's he's right there. He's going. The mule's just taking off with him. So we're trying to get the mule to chill and get his mind back. And and so so we're doing two things. Number one, we're giving that mule the freedom to go. So we're not trying to stop the mule, right? We are not trying to get this mule to stop. We are simply trying to redirect this movement. As a human, we need control. We need to feel that control. And so to appease our needs, we are doing serpentine so that we can control the movement in some fashion. The mule needs to go, so we're trying to redirect that energy in some fashion. So we're trying to fit both of our needs um, so that we can get more comfortable and that animal can get more comfortable, okay? Now, yes, during that hour and a half of serpentines, you know, what I'll have them do is I'll, I'll have them, you know, let's say we make a turn to the right, and then I'm having them count one, two, three, four steps, make a left one, two, three, four steps, make a right. During that four steps interval between turns, if the mule feels good, I had Frank continue just to ride on forward. And when that energy would build, he would bend. And then he'd count one, two, three, four, turn. One, two, three, four, turn. And maybe the next time he gets up to eight steps before he has to make a turn. It's in between the turns that the mule needs to find the comfort. See, there's a difference in between a full release and a partial release. And we talk about this in the clinics. Um, your full release is when you absolutely quit. You stop and you let that mule soak. And sometimes you can get off them, go away from them, leave them alone. That is a full release. A partial release is in between these turns would be a good example of a partial release. You know, you going down the trail is a partial release. Okay. Um, as you're cruising down the trail, you know, you're not asking the mule any questions. That is a partial release. You, you're continuing to move, but you're not schooling on them. You're not turning. You're not stopping. You're not, you know, doing that stuff. You're not trying to back them up. You're not trying to do serpentines. You, you know, so it's it's in between the questions, basically, that they can find the release. And, you know, Frank did a lot of those. Uh, so how, how often do I give the mule a break? As often as they start to come down and and make sure you underline that start to come down. I don't wait for them, you know, to be totally, totally chill. Um, I, I wait for them to start to relax a little bit, Ted. Uh, that's, that's the, the big deal there is, is just them starting to relax and starting to come down. That is a key point. I want to reward those thoughts. Um, yeah. And after we do a few serpentines, if life is good, I would just continue on going to my checklist. I just continue on the next step. Sometimes I get on these young colts. I'm starting these three-year-olds and, and, uh, you know, we get a little spunky. So we'll do a few rounds of something. And, and once things are checking off, I'll move on. And remember some, a lot of these moves, they are part of our checklist. So I'm doing things that matter. That's the main thing. And, and none of these moves, you guys, this is a big one too. A lot of people think of the moves as a punishment. No, your mule needs to find comfort in the move. So during these serpentines, I'm trying to help the mule find comfort in the move. So this is a really, really hard one for people to digest because so many people work basically on reward and punishment. It's it's not that. We're, we're, we're trying to be more 
sophisticated than that. Move on from that. So, so these, these moves I'm doing are to redirect the life in the body. They're not to punish the animal. They're not to punish them. Um, we do want to make the right thing easier. So sometimes we have to make the wrong thing more difficult, but still yet I'm using moves that are valuable to me. I'm not just bopping around there and, and, uh, going to do this just cause just to punish him. So that's a big part of it too. So great question, Ted. Thanks for writing in. Um, okay. We have a, uh, question from Tara Fadler. Um, she just attended our clinic in Creston, at Creston, Washington, uh, with Luciano. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, this is her experience. I brought my weakest mule to the clinic. When we left home, Luciano jumped right into the trailer as he has always done. No hesitation ever. We arrived and I put him in the stall. I have no idea if he had ever been in a stall. He was not comfortable in there. He made friends with the mule next door and she uh, left before he did. In the morning when we left, he was nervous and jittery. By that point, we had had two days of that awful wind. Was that the cause of this of his distress? Question mark or was it this new love? Was it that his new love had departed the night before, or something I did, or something we did not do? For the first time ever, he refused to get in. I took a few minutes to co coerce him in there. Sorry, to coerce him to get in. When he did get in, he wanted to spin and get out. I managed to keep him in there and shut him into the slant load stall. When we got home, he was still jittery. He was shaking. He did not unload the way he used to, calm and easy. He still had that boogeymen are going to get me energy as he got out. I don't know if it was better for him to have gone to the clinic or not. Did I do more harm than good? Should I have brought my best meal rather than my weakest? What can I do to debrief him? Was it the, uh, the wind that created his emotional imbalance? Will he forever be afraid of the trailer? Is it that trailer is is the problem or losing his friend or being in the stall all but for the, for the time we were in our class? Uh, he did feel uh, he, he did feel more and more comfortable in the area as the days went on, but maybe instead of watching the other classes, trying to absorb as much as possible, maybe I should have been uh, with him working on things and we'd been trying to learn from our lessons while the other classes were in progress. What did I miss? How did I fail him? Okay, Tara, uh, you've got a pile of questions in there. Um, number one, um, no, I, I think it's great that you brought the meal. You know, the meals you guys bring to the clinics will dictate what you learn in the clinic. Absolutely. Because if you, you know, bring the meal, that's a handful uh, you're going to learn different lessons than if you bring the meal that's real calm and 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 quiet. You're going to pick up different things because you need different things at, the, at those moments to get along with those meals, depending on what you're working with, right? So you know, e either way, you, you could bring whatever you want to the clinic, and and it's not for the for the better or for the worse. Either way, it's just it really doesn't matter. Um, and Luciano is not that troubled. You know, he did pretty dang good in, in the class. Uh, he did great. So, you know, the meal really wasn't that big of a deal. Now, regarding this whole deal about the trailer, um, you know, sometimes when you add in stress of any kind, when you guys put on any new pressures, when there's stress from 
the environment, you know, like the wind here that she's asking about when there's influence from other animals, like she's talking about here with the stall mate, whenever you mix up the regular familiar dynamic of their life, okay, you are going to get the truth of how they handle. Okay. Whenever you put this pressure on, you're going to get the absolute truth of how they handle. So, you know, the mule might load and unload just fine when uh, you're at home and, and life is familiar and, and you go to the same places, you do the same things because they, they are familiar with, um, they're familiar with that, that setup, right? They're familiar with that routine. Okay. And now you've, you've done something different. You've taken them away. You've, you've had them in this little box stall there and you've had them in the wind and had them in the class and blah, blah, blah. Right. That's your truth of how the animal handles. And sometimes that's hard to take. So for me, I'm just, I would be like, awesome, sweet. I found some stuff to work on. My meal doesn't load that good. My meal isn't that handy. I'm going to work on this, get it better. And I would be excited about the, the things that I found to work on. You know, this happened to me just yesterday. Uh, yesterday we, you know, we're here in Gunnison, Colorado. Yesterday we went for a little ride up by Crested Butte and just beautiful country. Amazing, amazing country, high mountain peaks beautiful rivers and streams just so gorgeous and, and i rode hannah hannah is a three-year-old that i've just started and this was her 10th ride and uh you know she has only probably been trailered in her life 10 times or 11 times you know i mean i was counting the clinics that we've been to and she's been to she's been to f uh, five clinics now and i've taken her to the vet a couple of times and so i'm like she probably hasn't been in the trailer more than 10 times in her life that really doesn't matter it's all about the handle, right? So yesterday I go to load her up in the trailer and, and we're in uh, our friend Megan here, the host of our Gunnison Clinic is hauling us in her trailer, take us out for a ride. And Hannah does not want to get in the trailer. And she's also scared of this other mule that's in the trailer. So, you know, the, the, the exposure, the environment, the situation is more powerful to Hannah than her handle. And so basically it tells me exactly what I need to work on, what I need to do. I need to get that mule handier. So, so Tara, that's, that's pretty much the extent of it is that tells you how handy this mule is, um, Luciano. And I would just work on that. Don't worry about all the what ifs and this and that. And should I, should I have nots? Um, just take it. Oh, this is what I need to work on. Um, the trailer is, is just another report card or a test of the uh you know your handle on the mule that's all it is and so that failed you that time so you say all right well my handle's not that great and you're going to go on you're going to continue working at it trying to get better trying to make those improvements and uh it's no big deal but if you want the question here is basically she's she long story short she's asking why and the why is is the environment um the, the change of the dynamic, the change of the routine, that is why you had trouble loading this time. And it's also very interesting. You know, usually, a lot of people show up with trailer loading problems, and by the time they leave, uh, usually folks shouldn't be leaving the clinic having trailer loading problems, but I guess it does happen on occasion. And, uh, and it's usually because of this dynamic of environmental change, of... Uh, routine change so anyways tara like i said don't worry about it take note of what you need to work on when you was having a hard time loading them 
think about all those angles that were failing you, meaning where where was he pushing on that center line? Uh, was he pushing with the shoulders? Was he pushing with the hips? Was he pushing with the front, the back? Take note and fix up on that, okay? Good question, Tara. It was good to have you there at the clinic. All right, the next question is from uh, Rob Pulvison. Pulvison? I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Problem with pasture buddies on a ride. Um, so he's out on a ride, went around the neighborhood, went around the block, and uh, the mule gets hung up on on all these pals, and he doesn't want to move. What's the best way to keep the mule moving forward when the mule wants to stop and visit? Uh, make it easier to go, Rob. That's pretty much as simple as it is. Make it easier to go. So, you know, maybe I'm right there and the mule's hung up on this fence. I might just get a little busier along that fence, hanging out with those pals of his. I might uh, do some figure eights. I might go to roll the hind, roll the front, doing some leg yields. Um, any any mix of movement. Serpentines, we mentioned those earlier. You know, um, rolling the hind, returning. Uh, there's a whole pile of moves you could be doing. Work on turnarounds, work on yielding the hinds, work on backing up, backing some circles. Basically, I would just get that mule busy moving. And if you're having problems just moving them at the pals, while he's hanging out with his buddies, then you got other fish to fry. You, you need to get this mule handier at home to where you can get the mule to move off your legs and operate there. It's one thing if they get a little hung up and don't want to don't want to leave, but if you if you absolutely can't move the mule at all and they just freeze up and stand there, then the answer to this question is to do more work at home and get this thing handier before you go out again. But basically, all I'll do is as I'd get busy there while he's around his friends, and I'm going to make it easier for this mule to go. Once he is moving and he's going away, I'll completely leave him alone. I don't direct him at all. I just head on down the road and and uh, leave him alone. So make it easier to go, Rob. That's the main thing there. Uh, that's simple as that. So good question, Rob. Keep working at it. Next question is from Nathan Heyer. Nathan's my buddy down in Arizona. Nathan, uh, he's got a he's got a cult named Hank, and he has four rides with Hank. Um, and Nathan says he's carrying his head real low. Seems comfortable that way. Um, how should he carry his head? Should I ask him to lift it? So picture this, the colt's riding and bringing that head real low. And he also says sometimes he brings it right to the ground, the nose dragging the ground. So, um, Nathan, first of all, with a colt and four rides, you really can't pick up on both reins yet. So, I don't want him to drag his head real low and I don't want his head real high. I'd like him just to carry his head level. I would like to see the pole and the wither and have that neck basically level from pole to wither. Okay. That's what I'd like. Uh, I'm not going to worry about headset a whole lot though, but if they're dragging that head, every time he lowers that head real low, you might go right into rolling the hind quarters. That's probably the only thing you can do at this point with four rides on Hank anyways, is cold. There's not a lot of options there for you. Don't have a lot of moves yet. So I would roll the hinds and then return. And then he gets that head lowering. I'd roll the hind, uh, head lowering again. I'd roll the hinds and, and return again. That's pretty much what I do at this point, Nathan. As you progress and you get a better handle, number one, you're going to find he carries his head uh, more naturally. He won't pack it so low. He might pack it a little lower. You know, they some of them do like to pack that pole just a little lower than the wither. That's natural for some. Um, some packages a little higher than the wither, but more or less it should be level. Um, and sometimes these colts too, Nathan, they pack that head low because they're trying to get the tongue over the snaffle bit. 
this is common and they just trying to reach they're trying to reach that bit and they're trying to get that tongue over that bit they're trying to get closer to it and they just can't get closer to it the bit just sits there and so they're working that bit you'll see that a lot too with the colts i've seen that uh, with with most colts i i've been around and so um don't worry about it a whole lot but when he is dragging it and it's bothering you roll the hind return roll the hind return alternating sides and that'll help as he progresses you can get to where you could pick up on both reins, pick up a soft feel, and kind of raise that head that way too. But that'll be down the road just a little bit. Maybe uh, rides uh, 8, 9, 10, and on. So that's probably the best you can do right now, Nathan. All right, good question. Okay, let's see what we got here. Um, one more question here from Casey Anderson. Casey just came to our clinic in Whitehall. And uh, Casey's a, he's a cool guy. He's a filmmaker. Um, he does these wildlife documentaries. Amazing, amazing man. He's got some cool videos. You guys need to check him out. Um, anyways, but he has a mule named Muskrat, and I've never met a mule named Muskrat except for Casey's. But basically, Muskrat doesn't want to leave home. Casey says uh, that maybe he'll get about a quarter mile away from the barn, and then Muskrat turns around and basically just hauls butt back. And and Casey says he'll have he, he'll try to bend him. He'll try to roll the hinds. And the mule just bends his head around to the side and just keeps on a trotting, keeps on running, busting through the brush. This is a bad deal. This is dangerous, you guys, when they do this. Um, you know, I see this a lot. People work on lateral flexion and they'll have these animals to where they can bend back and they can bring the mule's head. They can bring the mule's head around to their knees and they're really proud of this. Lateral flexion does not matter unless it's measurable. It's worthless unless it's measurable. Uh, measurable, not miserable. Okay, measurable. And so so just because the mule can bend his head back doesn't mean anything. This lateral flexion also needs to connect to the feet. You need to be able to get down to those feet. So Casey, a couple things here, man. Number one, in this situation, I'm going to go back to a, a little bit more basic because you're probably getting some... You're probably going to get some pushback from muskrat in a smaller level as you're leaving the barn. You just need to notice this. Maybe you're just going out. Maybe you get 50 feet away from the barn, and I bet you're getting some pushback, but muskrat is 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 hanging in there with you, okay? Here's the deal. When you feel that light, the slightest, lightest amount of pushback from that mule, you need to go back to the barn and get busy. And I'm going to go back to the barn at that point. And I'm going to work on figure eight, serpentines, rolling the hinds, rolling the front, backing circles. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a million different exercises that you can do right there. I might walk trot lope circles around that barn. I might get busy at the barn. And then I'm going to make it easier to go. Now maybe I get 55 feet before I start to get a little hesitation and pushback. Then I'm going to go back on my own. I'm going to have that mule go back. I'm going to ask that mule to go back. So instead of me trying, instead of me trying to get further away, I'm trying to see how far I can get until I can turn that mule back and make him go back to the barn. Okay, so I'm trying to make it easier for this mule to go. So instead of waiting till you get a quarter mile out there and then the mule takes off running back, notice the smaller pieces, Casey, of, of pushback from muskrat. Okay, notice the smaller signals that he's giving you that he's not comfortable Okay, and you want to make it more comfortable to be there, but it's already hard enough for him to go. The barn is a huge overriding factor. You know, the, the barn is, is always going to be a little more comfortable, but you want to try to convince that mule that going is more comfortable. 
And long story short, really, you want to get to where that mule finds comfort with you. So as you're working, make sure that the things you're doing, the mule is finding comfort with you. But if you're a source of misery, if you're a source of, of just a bunch of work, if you're a source of a bunch of stress, then you'll get to a point where you can't even catch the darn mule. You get to a point where you can't even walk five foot from the barn. But you want to be the source of comfort and confidence. So you need to make sure you work at that and reward him for the tries. Maybe, maybe so So let's say you, you got 55 foot out and then you, you feel this little pushback. And so you hustle back to the barn. This next time, maybe you only get 30 foot from the barn, but he feels, muskrat feels really good. And you're like, oh, this feels great. Don't get greedy. Instead of asking him to go to 55 feet or 60 feet, when he's at 30 foot and he's feeling really good, reward him right there. Let him stand there. Let him soak. Let him feel good about it right there. That is the key. You want him to find confidence and comfort with you. So, you know, even if you don't quite get to your goal that day, reward him for that try. Reward him for, for getting to that point right there and uh, leave him alone. Let him soak right there for a few. For a few okay. Anyways, little by little. And then in the meantime, too, Casey, as you're working, man, you know, uh, muskrat needs a lot more of a, uh, you know, of a handle. And, you know, Casey's just started riding himself, you know. Um, so, Casey, you know, it'd be good for you to just practice these things as much as you can and and uh, get to where you can you can ask the mule the right question at the right time and um, help support that mule. So. Those are some great questions. Those are all some great questions today. Very grateful for all of you for writing in, asking these questions. If any of you guys have questions for a Mule Tip Tuesday show, let me know. Um, we just announced on our Facebook page that we are, after all these years, we are going to discontinue our live Facebook Mule Tip Tuesdays because it's simply getting more challenging for me to uh, to, to show up on Tuesday nights where we're getting busier with these clinics and, and I really don't want to leave you guys waiting. So all of our meal tip Tuesdays are going to be on this podcast right here that you're listening to. And, uh, I will do some occasional live events and we will announce those when, uh, when we have the opportunity, we'll do some live events and I'll take live questions at those, uh, events from now on. Uh, but remember, you can always write in your Mule Tip Tuesday questions. Send me an email, ty at tsmules.com, or you can also go to our website, tsmules.com, go to the Contact Us page and fill out the form right there, and that goes right to my inbox, and I'll try to get to those. Um, a lot of you asking a lot of these questions, make sure you're checking out our online video library there at tsmules.com. Um, all these things I talk about, we demonstrate right there in the video library. So be sure to check those out. And, uh, and Hey, if it's not too much to ask you guys, if you, if you enjoy these meal tip Tuesdays, if you enjoy the, the clinic debriefs and the, and the bonus episodes of the podcast and the interviews, would you please leave a, a review? Um, especially on Apple podcasts, go on there, leave a five-star rating, leave a review. Tell me your favorite episode. Also. Um, if you have somebody that you would like to hear on our podcast, if you'd like to hear from a special guest uh, or somebody you have suggestions, um, or if you would like to be on the podcast, um, like to be interviewed by me, then uh, be sure to send me an email about that as well. So, hey, until next time, God bless you, and we will see you down the road. <music>